You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, and you can follow the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Don't have Doug for the live show today, but we do have Doug's thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks game. Hopped on the mic, shared some of his thoughts, about five, five and a half minute clip from him, just basically vomiting his thoughts onto the mic. So we'll play that here to start off the show. Then we'll talk a little bit about the Indiana Pacers matchup that they have tonight. Um, whether the Dallas Mavericks win was the best win that they have on the season. I've got some thoughts on the Dallas Mavericks contest from this weekend as well. But first, let's kick it over to Doug for Doug's thoughts. Doug, what do you got for us? So I couldn't be there today for the live show, but I also couldn't let a day go by without commenting on, all right, I'll say it, I'll admit it, that was the best win this season for the Charlotte Hornets, 123-120 in overtime against the Dallas Mavericks. Yes, they were missing Kristaps Porzingis, but you got a triple-double game out of Luka Doncic, and you managed to survive. In a lot of ways, this victory was very similar to some victories that the Hornets picked up early in the season. You caught a team uh, like Dallas, a good team, but you caught them with an injury, and you're at full strength, and you're playing well. But in a lot of ways, it's different, right? Because the Hornets did that early in the season using sharpshooting, from Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier and Marvin Williams using three-point shooting to keep themselves in games that maybe they didn't have business being in. But in this victory over the Dallas Mavericks, they could not always count on their three-point shooting to get them out of jams. In fact, it was the three-point shooting of the Dallas Mavericks in the third quarter that ended up putting them in a jam after starting the game so well. But the Hornets did this inside. They got into the paint and scored buckets, and you have to give it up to Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington for getting inside and throwing it down. Of course, Rozier had the big left-handed bucket that got them uh, into overtime, uh, but this was a team that was aggressive from the jump. You got to, I mean, you got to look at that 32-20 to 20 quarter one start and say that that was a huge key to this game because, you know, Dallas and, and Luka, they have the potential to get hot early and stay hot, and they could have run the Charlotte Hornets off the floor. I mean, they struggled to beat Cleveland. So Dallas was probably chomping at the bit to get a chance to just dispatch this Hornets team quickly and pick up their 23rd win of the season, but they couldn't do it. And I think uh, this team has been resilient all year. I mean, there's no question about that. You can question a lot of things with this team, their physicality, their toughness, their consistency, their age, their maturity, there are a lot of things that this team has to build and grow upon. But the one thing you cannot question about this team is its ability to come back, to keep going. And I think in a third quarter in which they gave up 40 points, it's a bad quarter, bad defensive quarter for the Charlotte Hornets. But offensively, they didn't go away. 23 points in that third quarter. They, they, just, they held it just enough to give themselves an opportunity in the fourth quarter to lock down on defense, to fix the problems in the third quarter. Now, you know, for example, if they had lost that 40-15, to 15, they had not had that ability to knock down shots in the third quarter, then all of a sudden this game is a different story. I thought, obviously, Devontae Graham, 27 points, 13 assists, huge. He was involved in every way. But I thought, interestingly, 
they didn't really run a ton of plays for him until late in the game. It seemed like some of the set plays that you've been seeing early on run for Devontae Graham to get him open beyond the three-point line. It seems like Borrego may be saving those for later in the game, kind of getting some different things going, take some attention away from Devontae Graham, and then hit them in the end. And you saw Graham bury a big three-point bucket late in this game off one of those set plays. So I think there's some savvy chess playing going on by Borrego there. Another thing I noticed is that they ran a lot for Miles Bridges in the post and not necessarily to get him going, although he did have one bucket. I think he had the opening bucket off of one of those post-ups. But you see Miles Bridges working the offense a little bit, trying to get the ball weak side after getting that post-up. So again, they're trying some things to take some attention away from the guards to allow them to play better because the fact is, if Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham are not playing well, this Hornets team is, I would say, 90% likely to lose a game. But in this one, they do. Terry Rozier, 10 of 15 from the field, 5 of 8 from 3, 29 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. And again, Devontae Graham, 27 and 13. He actually, over the last 10 games, Devontae Graham is 5th in the NBA in assists. He's just .2 assists behind Luka Doncic. So, interesting win for the Charlotte Hornets. I think best win of the season because they were aggressive. They got to the line. You saw Devontae Graham finally recognizing, hey, okay, if you're going to pressure me at the three-point line, I'm going to fake one dribble, pull up mid-range, knock it down. Those are the kind of steps you want to see Devontae Graham make. The aggressiveness of P.J. Washington to get to the rim and finish, those are, kind of the, those are the kind of things you want to see out of P.J. Washington. I thought his defense was excellent in the fourth quarter in overtime. He was a difference maker on both ends of the floor. I'm super excited about P.J. Washington, guys. I'm just going to say it right now. I mean, I think this guy has the potential to be top 15 player in the league. Whoa. I'm serious. I mean, he just seems like he's going to get this thing figured out on both ends of the floor and be an absolute handful for many years. I cannot be more excited about P.J. Washington. I don't think he's going to shock the world on one end of the floor. I think you're just going to – he's going to be one of these players – that just overwhelmingly helps your team on both ends. And in the Paul Millsap mode, that for a couple of years, people are going to go, man, this guy's top 20, top 15 in the league. He's indispensable for a team because of the the multitude of ways that he can help you win a basketball game. That's what I see out of P.J. Washington. All right, I'm going to toss it back to Walker. Sorry I couldn't be there live today, but I'm back for tomorrow's show. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Hmm, is Doug right? Is it the best win of the Charlotte Hornets season so far? We'll talk about it next in segment two of the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I don't think there's any doubt that that was the best victory of the Charlotte Hornets season so far. Coincidentally, the Charlotte Hornets have the Indiana Pacers tonight. And I think before this win against Dallas, you would have gone back to that Indiana Pacers win a couple of months ago and said, okay, that was the best victory that they had on the season. It's funny to look back at that one because the Charlotte Hornets beat the Pacers 122 to 120. 
that would put them at four and three on the season. So we're kind of going crazy about the Hornets now. You know, Rick Bennell tweeting at me saying, I don't think anybody expected this type of success. Me quote tweeting and saying the same type of thing because this was never going to be the, the seven win Bobcats team. They weren't going to be that bad. I thought that they might be the worst team in the league. I thought that they would be vying for that title. But when we talked about over under 20 wins, and you have to be crazy bad to win only 19 games. And you have to be crazy bad. And I didn't think that was going to happen. But I did think that they would at least contend somehow for the worst team in the league. And um, they're not. And clearly they're not. In fact, we'll get to Bobby Marks power ranking placement of the Charlotte Hornets at 21 later on in the show but again 21 right I mean not even close to being the last team in the entire NBA but looking back at a couple of their better wins the Pacers that was an above 500 team eventually that would put this first loss that they had to the Hornets it put the Pacers at three and four to start the season where the Hornets, again, would move to 4-3, and three, but eventually we know the Pacers now, they're sitting with a record at 22-14. and 14. Not playing well here of late, but they are sitting with a record of 22-14. and 14. That was the best one. But this game against Dallas, man, th- this, was, this was fantastic for them. And I think you look at a couple of the things that happened in this contest. Doug went over a lot of it. I won't repeat some of the stuff he said. I think one of the main takeaways that I had in this game was just how many minutes the starters played. So let's go back to the beginning of the year. In fact, I have that box score pulled up from that first victory that the Hornets had against a good team like the Indiana Pacers. And that was when the starting lineup looked like this. It was Terry Rozier at the point, Dwayne Bacon at the two, Miles Bridges at the three, P.J. Washington at the four, and Cody Zeller at the five. Now you look at this box score against the Dallas Mavericks, 123 to 120 in overtime, both of those victories coming in overtime. And now it's Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier starting alongside each other. Devontae Graham probably more the one with Rozier playing off ball at the two spot. Then it's Miles Bridges at the three, P.J. Washington at the four, and Bismack Biombo at the five. And if you guys remember, Bismack Biombo was very good at the end of this game against the Indiana Pacers. He's the guy that really got things going for them uh, a couple of months ago. It was Biombo who changed the momentum when he entered the start of the fourth quarter, and that was when the Hornets were trailing 92-78 to in that game uh, against the Indiana Pacers. We all know about his fast break dunk that he had where he actually handled the rock a little bit and then slammed it. He finished with 15 points, shot six of seven from the field, accumulated six rebounds, had a couple of blocks in 17 minutes. And James Brego even commented after one, after that one, he said, I thought Biz turned the game, just his energy, his defense. He was all over the place. And uh, of course, that was when it, I don't know if this was the debut of Devontae Graham because he had been playing so well, the debut of the Devontae Graham as we know him. But at the time, Devontae scored a career-high 35 points. That would be broken by, we all know, the Brooklyn Nets game that he had later on. But it was Devontae Graham scoring 35 points. It's where our bump, our bed of... Uh, Doug going after Nate McMillan arose, right? It was Nate McMillan who was angry at a couple of, or maybe just one in particular, no foul call at the end of this game. So, um, I look, it's it's the best one that they have. And coincidentally, they have the Indiana Pacers here tonight. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Now, and I think it is important to note, though, the, the reason why I think this Dallas Mavericks game is pretty clearly the better win is because, remember, in this game against the Indiana Pacers, which I do think is the most comparable one, 
uh, the Indiana Pacers, they did not have DeMontis Sabonis, and they also did not have Miles Turner in this game. Now you go back, the Hornets did play the Pacers another time this year. So this contest this evening will be the third time that they've played each other this year, but they lost that game the second time they played them. This was in Indianapolis. Pacers won 107-85, to and Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis both played. They both played pretty big minutes. Miles Turner, 26 minutes. DeMontis Sabonis, who's been excellent this year, he played 34. Sabonis had 12 points. Miles Turner had 14. They each had double-digit rebounds. Turner getting 10. DeMontis Sabonis getting 12. So you had those guys doing very well in this one. And then you look at some of the bigs that played for the Hornets in this one. Cody Zeller and Biombo again, both started. Remember that. That was kind of a move that was a little bit surprising to see. Um, and he's done that maybe a couple times, Borrego has, put both of his bigs in there. So that might be something to watch for. Cody Zeller went 6 of 11. Bismack Biombo went 5 of 10 in this game. Uh, 12 rebounds for Cody Zeller. Bismack Biombo had 17 rebounds. And this is when, I believe I came on the show after this game, and discussed, hey, you look at the rebounds by both teams, the Hornets actually out-rebounded the Indiana Pacers 69-56. to And I always kind of look at the rebounds first when I look at team stats. When I look at the Hornets, it, it, it's only really for this team, right? I mean, I'll, I'll look at it with other games as well. But with this team this year, they've just gotten beat up on the boards quite a bit where they had that five-game stretch where I know they were uh, a very good rebounding team. But you guys get my point. In this one, I, I'm surprised. I think if you would have told me before the game that the Hornets would have out-rebounded the Pacers 69-56, to I would have said they might have won that game, especially that they've already won against them before. Maybe they had some confidence. Maybe they didn't fear Indiana as much as maybe some other teams did. But again, uh, when you out-rebound a team by 13 and you lose by 22, that means you could not hit anything. In fact, their field goal percentage in that game, in that loss to the Pacers, it was 30.8% from the field. They shot 15.6% from three-point land, and they took a lot. I mean, they were 5 of 32 in this game. The Indiana Pacers were 10 of 35. So not much better, but five more threes than the Hornets hit. And in fact, you look at the field goal output, the Hornets actually shot more field goals than the Pacers did, 91 to the Pacers' 88, and yet they hit 12 less shots despite taking three more field goal attempts. The Pacers shot 45.5% from the field, again, scoring 107 points. Uh, the Pacers scored 33 in the first quarter, 35 in the fourth quarter, only scored 13 in the third, but it was Aaron Holiday who actually uh, played pretty well in this game for the Indiana Pacers as well. You look at Aaron Holiday, he scored over 20 points. And at that time, that was the that was the third consecutive game that Aaron Holiday had off the bench where he scored double digits, coming in with about a nine-and-a-half-point-per-game average. Again, that was a game that uh, he went 9 of 10 from the free throw line, got to the charity stripe frequently, hit a couple of threes. I'm interested to see if Aaron Holiday can replicate that type of performance, how the bigs are going to play here tonight. But if they're, if they're able to get a three-game winning streak going, that would do wonders for the confidence of the Charlotte Hornets team that already seems to have plenty of it. We'll talk a little bit more about the Indiana Pacers and the upcoming schedule for the Charlotte Hornets in the third segment, the final one, here of the Locked On Hornets podcast, again, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like 
the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school in Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I mentioned Aaron Holiday having a good game in the second game that they played against each other off of the bench. He'll actually be starting tonight if it's any indication of what's happened the last couple of games and how the Pacers have handled the loss of Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon has been very good this season. He's been playing in an excellent way. And you look at the damage that Malcolm Brogdon did in the first two times the Pacers and the Hornets met. You go back all the way to that game uh, that the Hornets actually won, 122 to 120. It wasn't because Brogdon wasn't good. How about this stat line from Brogdon then? 12 of 19 from the field, did miss seven free throws, or excuse me, seven three-pointers, I should say, hit all five of his free throws. He did miss seven three-pointers, but those were the only shots that he missed. He hit all of the two-point field goals that he took, and he wasn't fouled in this game. Five rebounds, eight assists. Brogdon ended up with 31 points. And if you'll remember all the way back then, this was also when T.J. Warren couldn't miss. He was 15 of 18 from the field, hit both of the three-pointers that he attempted, just had four rebounds and three assists, but scoring in a big way. You know, I, I think a lot of people remember the Miles Bridges defensive laps a couple of times when guarding T.J. Warren, allowing him to break back door. A couple of nice plays for Miles in this game against Dallas. Of course, finding Terry Rozier for the game-winning three-pointer. You know, that was when he was pressured and was able to get out of a bad situation. That's a good sign for Miles. And so while Miles Bridges has taken a lot of criticism here lately, you know, a couple of nice moments where it seemed like something clicked for him. So that was good. But those are a couple of the guys that did a lot of damage for the Pacers, even in that game in their first meeting, while the Hornets were still able to stave off uh, enough of those type of performances, enough to win. Now, the second game that they played against the Indiana Pacers, you look at what they did the, the second go-around, trying to f pull that up here real quickly. Uh, that was a win, 107-85. to 85. The Malcolm Brogdon in that game uh, had was just 4 of 11, 1 of 5 from the three-point line, and uh, only scored 11 points, so not as big of a factor like an Aaron Holiday was. So one game it was Malcolm Brogdon at the point doing damage. One game it was Aaron Holiday. Malcolm Brogdon will be out of this game, as long as well, somebody that doesn't get a whole lot of playing time anyway. But Malcolm Brogdon going to be sitting on the bench while Aaron Holiday plays. Now, the Pacers have been struggling, like I said. You look at what they've done the last few games. Uh, they've lost four of their last five. In fact, one of their wins came against the Philadelphia 76ers. But the last two losses, the, the last two games they've played have uh, been losses. One against the Denver Nuggets and also one against the Atlanta Hawks on the road. They allowed Trey Young to go off in this game. Trey Young ended up scoring 41 points, going 12 of 23 from the field. And if you look, Devontae Graham, I think maybe there are some things comparable between the two players. Young point guards have the ball in their hands quite a bit. You know, Devontae Graham, the way that he's been shooting, you know, five feet behind the line, that's kind of Trey Young-esque. Both guys can get assist in a big way. So maybe some comparisons there that you can make. And Devontae Graham, uh, if if – the struggles against Trey Young were, in, were any indication of what might come tonight with Devontae, then Devontae should have a good one. And in fact, what's good about Devontae, too, is that it seemed like he broke out of his slump in this game against the Dallas Mavericks. You go back to that box score as I try to pull that up real quickly. Uh, 
he shot over 40% from the field for the first time since that Brooklyn Nets game. So it seemed like it was a 10-game slump. Hopefully he doesn't dip back down into that, but he shot 8 of 17 from the field against Dallas, only 2 of 8 from 3, but I'll take the 8 of 17. He got to the free throw line quite a bit. How about shooting 9 of 9 from the free throw line? Needed all of them to help get them that three-point victory. And also, Devontae Graham had 13 assists. And I think I've said this a couple of times. Like I, Even if Devontae Graham isn't scoring well, even if he's not shooting the ball in an efficient way, which, boy, he was not for 10 games, at least he was helping out in the assist area. I mean, look at the last six games that he's played. He's only been under double-digit assist one time, and that was when he got seven assists against the Boston Celtics. He's been distributing the ball at a really high level, and if he's able to score off of that like he did against Dallas, then Devontae plays like an all-star player in the Eastern Conference. There's no doubt about it. That was an all-star performance that Devontae Graham put up on you know three turnovers. Hell, I'll take that assist-to-turnover ratio, 13-3 to three that he had in that game against Dallas. I asked the question after that Cleveland Cavaliers victory, if Devontae Graham's three-point shot at the end of that game was a slump-busting kind of shot, or maybe that was enough confidence to get him going again. Now, I'm not going to credit him getting out of the slump due to that one shot, but maybe it had something to do with uh, him being able to get out of it a little bit. Maybe it was one of the factors, and sure enough, he did so in a big way against the Dallas Mavericks. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch, the point guard position between the two teams. No Malcolm Brogdon, so Aaron Holiday getting in there, watching Aaron Holiday uh, go up, who went off against the Charlotte Hornets in the fourth quarter, really coming off of the bench. He'll start against the Hornets tonight, and also watching Devontae Graham, one, because he's their best player, but also they je- we just saw Trey Young go off against the Indiana Pacers without a guy like Brogdon able to put his defensive prowess on him. Maybe that allows Devontae Graham to have another good game. It would be his second good game in a row. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. Remember, we have Rick Bennell tomorrow with us. It'll be Tuesdays with Rick, and also I think Doug will be able to join us. We'll talk to you then.